podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. And we have one of our favourites coming your way very shortly. Jay Bell back in the house and we are getting in to all kinds of stories with him. Players opting out, critical part of the NFL right now. A lot of quarterback controversies flying around. We'll get Jay Bell's take on that. We've got a bumper mailbag as well and we're going to sneak in a quick fire round to find out a little bit more about one of your favorite broadcasters in the world of NFL UK. So a terrific episode coming your way, courtesy of a brilliant guest. Let's get straight to him and the fantastic Jay Bell. It is that time again, ladies and gentlemen, NFL UK royalty in the house. Jay Bell is back. What? How are you, man? I'm good, man. I want to welcome you to the Nat Coon Show. I'm not sure if you've ever been on it, but it is a great place to be. Welcome. I love that. I love that. We are clipping that up. We are rolling that through every show, all through the 2020 season, because we're going to have a season. I'm believing, Jay Bell. Are you believing? I'm believing, of course. I'm very optimistic. And also, speaking to people in the NFL, the NFL is doing everything they can. They are following the science. Uh, they have the protocols in place. So I'm very optimistic and hopeful that we have a good full season. We're going to have some hiccups, mm. but leadership is there to guide us along the way. I guess the, the big advantage for, for the NFL, you compare it directly with baseball, say, is the, the, the length of the season, of course, the, the, the frequency of games or, or, or lack of compared, compared to baseball. The fact that it's difficult, not impossible, not ideal to play the World Series in December, but the NFL needs to take a break, needs to extend, needs to play the Super Bowl in May. Well, well that can work, right? So they're not in any kind of crazy rush, are they? No, and, you know, they spend a lot of time before each year looking at every scenario of games and things that can happen, right? They've been doing this a long time. So they're able to plan out and plot uh, different scenarios of things that could happen, and they're being able to adjust on the fly. So I believe they've looked at a lot of circumstances that could happen, and they have plans if any of those need to be implemented. They're good at that, aren't they, the NFL? I mean, I remember talking to, to Alistair uh, and the NFL UK guys about road testing the London games and just role-playing and creating different, uh, uh, different scenarios and scenario planning. And obviously, that's what they're doing. And then some, today's the day, Jay Bell, the deadline day. So we're recording this Thursday. So by the time most of our, our listeners are checking this out, the deadline will have passed, right? Uh, to opt out for the season, for players to opt out of the season if they want to. Around 60 or so have done so at the time of recording. There might be a few more that squeak in before the deadline. Let, let's start with that. Uh, are you surprised that it's only that number when you think roster sizes right now are, you know, what, 90-odd? So 3,000 or so players, roughly, and, and only 60 have opted out. Are you surprised it's that, that few? Uh, I would think there would be a little more, uh, you know, and that's why they have the time constraint on when they can opt out. Obviously, teams need to adjust as such. They have smaller training camps. They need to know who their roster will be, especially if they lose a key player, a key mm. component. Uh, so, you know, guys have a lot of different circumstances. And especially if you are a fringe guy, maybe you weren't going to make the team. It was going to be hard for you. You were in a tough battle and you decide to opt out because of that. And maybe there's underlying health conditions within your family. It's, it's hard to put them in a place where you don't feel safe. And if you have those kind of situations, remember, it's 1,600 guys in the league. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of different scenarios when it comes to what's happening in their home life. So I'm not surprised. And there's going to be things that happen throughout this season where rosters are going to change. So uh, this, is, this is what we're dealing with. Well, Jay, bringing those points together a little bit, the, the fact that inevitably, almost certainly anyway, that the NFL is going to have to adapt and, and react to, to what happens with COVID over, over the autumn and winter. Are you surprised that there is a deadline in place for players to opt out? Because I get, and you alluded to the, 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 the rationale, why, in, in terms of benefits teams and you know, GMs, coaches, to, to know what, they, what they're dealing with, what they have to deal with. But from a player's point of view, and as a former player, don't you want that option, that, that flexibility that you're a few weeks in and things really, really kick off there that you, you want to be able to opt out? Why is there a deadline? 
Well, there's a deadline, obviously, because they have to build these rosters. The organizations have to do that. From a player's perspective, I, I, I agree with things you're saying, where I want to go in, I want to feel comfortable, I want to see, do I want to continue? And I think now that players are in the building and they can see the protocols in place, they can make those decisions. Now, I'm, I'm no, you know, don't quote me on this, but I believe the CBA agreement that they just agreed to, that if someone was to test positive in the season, then at that point they could opt out maybe or something mm. like that is in there. So there is flexibility if something happens to it, you know, where you're exposed or your family's exposed. But as far as a deadline of making a decision now, I understand why that needs to take place because of the roster building situations and trying to figure out how teams are going to move forward. And it's an important distinction you make, of course, that, that the reasons why you're opting out and the recompense you get accordingly, right? There, The NFL, either way, uh, and it's an increased in terms of a, a, a scale, if it's medical grounds, for example, why you have to opt out, but you're getting a stipend uh, for the season anyway, and your contract just rolls on in principle to, to the next year in principle being the operative phrase, right? Because right. I guess that is the fear for a lot of players for certainly remove the top 5% superstars in the NFL, everybody else, they undoubtedly have got to be worried about their gig, right? Making a decision to opt out and how that reflects in terms of the team that they're playing for, the coaches, and ultimately, you know, the, the, the GMs and the, those making the personnel decisions. So let me ask you this. You, you mentioned earlier on that, Obviously, some players have health issues. Some players like Nate Solder, uh, you know, whose child is unwell. So you can completely understand in, in both of those examples why a player would opt out. Do you think that coaches, front office personnel will look at players who don't have that rationale, don't have those reasons, just want to opt out because they are concerned about catching COVID and you know, the long-term implications of that, which is entirely reasonable why they would have those concerns but is, is your sense that in the league that is so alpha that is so we just go out and get stuff done you tough it out is is there a sense you think amongst players that if you don't have a health reason a family situation and you're opting out you're going to be thought less of well that might happen and that could happen but remember this is a talent-based league and the one thing that matters in sports in general is talent. Are you capable of going out there and uh, doing what you're supposed to do at a high level? So if you are a talented player and you opt out just because of, I'm just fearful, I don't wanna do this. Okay, you might come back the next year and people in the locker room might look at you a certain kind of way. But as soon as you get out there and you start balling and you start sweating and, and doing your thing like everybody else, it's gone. They let it go. Mm. It, it's, it's, you know, if you have talent in this league, that's what matters. Mm. You know, that, that does supersede kind of all things. You know, you have to be a good human being, but you need to have talent. We put a poll out on Twitter. Uh, shout out to Marley and the crew running our social media channels at the NC Show. Uh, would you opt out if you're playing in the NFL right now? 66% of listeners said they wouldn't. 34% said they would, which, which is closer than I figured. And I guess, of course, it, as many of our listeners pointed out in the comments, it does depend on the context. So let me ask you this, Jay, with your situation, hypothetically speaking, you're playing in the league, you've got a family now, but let's just say this is Jason Bell in the league. You don't have any medical conditions that would, uh, would mean it would make sense for you to opt out. You don't have any family situations, family responsibilities that would make you think twice about playing the season or not. So you've got a clear path, as it were, would you play? Would you opt out? Uh, let me think about this. I'm playing that. I'm playing. <laughs> it's not even. Not first even close, of all, right? No. And, and, and it's because let's, let's, let's really break this down. I got to be, I'm, I'm talking about my situation as a player. Mm. First of all, I want to play. Uh, second of all, I'm a fringe guy, right? I'm the middle of the pack roster guy, meaning I'm more expensive than the young rookies. Mm. And I'm not the elite upper echelon of players. So I have to continue to prove my worth every game, every year, every season, you know? So I need to be out there because if I leave and I vacate from this season, I might not ever play again. Mm. Uh, I, now I could, I could go out and earn a spot and fight again, but on the team I'm on that I'm established, 
Mm -hmm. I have now removed myself and somebody else has now gotten the opportunity to do what I can do and maybe they're cheaper. So I'm playing. I'm going to go to some of our comments uh, that are in the mailbag. Incidentally, we've got a bumper mailbag for you later, J-Bell. Also, I should, full disclaimer, I'm going to show my hand here. We've got a quick fire J-Bell round coming up. Ooh, find, ooh. Out, find out more about Jason Bell, <laughs> the, man, the man, the legend, the myth. Um, <laughs> Scary. Yeah, that's, all, that's all coming up. That's all goodness coming <laughs> later on. Um, Kevin uh, says, if you're worried about your own health, then maybe the NFL isn't the place for you anyway. It's a dogmatic view uh, from Kevin. Uh, Rehab Walsh, great handle. I like him that handle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No safe way of playing a sport with that many people on a roster. Can't do an NBA-style bubble. So with travel, the risk isn't worth it. So you, we are getting quite you know, mixed response. I mean, I know the poll is two-thirds or thereabouts but i was quite surprised about how many of our listeners would say you know what it, it isn't worth a bit interesting to hear from you being there done it got got the jersey uh the, the reality of, of that situation and the uh what you were risking i guess walking away let's look at what has happened then in terms of that 60 odd players that have that have opted out because... i got i got something to say Nat, on something on the travel yeah, thing tell that me. people should think about uh so you know w what happened in baseball right in Florida, mm. and people are using that as a, compar a comparison. You have to remember that when football teams travel, they're already pretty much in a natural bubble. Right. We're in and we're out of that city. Uh, you know, guys before this, uh, this situation we're in would go to dinner and things like that, and, and you could visit people you knew in the city, family members, whatever, but now that's not happening. You're gonna land, you're gonna be in your hotel, you're gonna go to the game, you're going to get back on the bus and you're going to get on the plane. It's a natural bubble. Players mm. are not going to be out uh, socializing in different cities. Uh, I like what I think happened in baseball. Yeah, and, in, and the NBA as well, looking for the best chicken wings in town or <laughs> whatever, the, uh, whatever that excuse was. <laughs> hey, you know, on that, on that note, there was an interesting story on, on NFL.com today that uh, Mike Garofalo reported, uh, of course, NFL Network. Uh, Mike's a good dude, man. Yeah. I like Mike. That's my man. Insider. I should always hear that. He always refers to him as insider, Mike Garofalo. He is an insider. He uh, was talking about a, a, um, an anonymous text or phone number, uh, but I guess most people would, <laughs> you're going to lose the anonymity maybe a little bit if you're leaving your voice on there, where you can let the authorities know if, you, if a teammate or somebody in your organization is defying the rules. So in other words, wow. it's a kind of hotline to, uh, and I don't want to use the word grass because it's derogatory. I'm interested in that. Do you think that's going to work? So in other words, just to, just to be really clear on the story, an anonymous um, channel can be uh, picked up by a player if they think a teammate or somebody in their organization isn't sticking to the rules, right? And, and, and is flagrantly uh, disregarding them. You can, you, can, you can let people know about that. Is any player going to do that? Yeah, you know, so this is a concern with a lot of players, especially a lot of vet players mm. with families and things of that nature. And I hate to say it, it's the young guys. It's the, I just right. got in the league. I just got a little money in my pocket. I got a lot of energy, right? I'm this invincible, is, this yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, this is what happens. I was one of those guys when I first came in the league also. You know, I, I, had, I had energy. And the thing is, you want to make sure those players are abiding by the rules because they are keeping you safe. And so as a player in an organization, you want to continue to be on that team and you want to continue to play and have a role. So if you know that there's a chance that someone can see something you're doing, if you have any ill intent to go out there and violate these principles, you will not because your want to be on that team supersedes all these other decisions you can make. Right. So it's a healthy fear, I think. So I understand. Mm -hmm why they've implemented this and and i think it's okay and do you think just extending that point do you think that, that the vets will be getting together with with the younger players and not just the rookies but it's right it's not unique to the nfl right this is something and understandably as well right you look at you're 23 you look at the statistics for covid you can understand why that demographic that age you feel invincible at that age anyway right let alone you know in this situation we all did right you know back in the day so do you think the vets will sit down and say don't risk this for all of us don't step out of line don't be an idiot do you think a lot of that will happen yes and this is where you're going to see teams with real leadership of uh, veteran presence uh they will have success dealing with this situation i think this is why i like a team like new orleans 
right? I look mm-hmm. at I look at the Saints. I look at that roster. I look at how they're built, right? These these guys are going to get together. They're going to fall in line. Uh, so you look at teams with strong leadership, and they're going to say, "This is how we're going to behave." This happens regardless. If you take COVID out of the situation, and we mm-hmm. were looking at the season. Teams that have success are teams that fall in line. Uh, leadership from the top, and it goes down. People just are on the same page as an organization. And you're going to see that this year, and you're going to see teams with that strong leadership. The people are just going to understand this is bigger than me. This serves a bigger purpose. This Whatever sacrifice I need to make. So I think it's going to be huge this year. Well, that very nicely brings us to the Patriots situation, because out of those 60-odd players that – have opted out. It seems that 75% of them are New England Patriots from, from what I, maybe my math is a little bit off there, but you get my point. And not just, not just the, the bodies, but who in particular. So Dante Hightower, Patrick Chung, leaders in the locker room, experienced heads in the locker room. Uh, huge issue, isn't this, for, for, for Belichick? Going into a season where we were, were unsure what the expectation levels are, at one of the positives that New England fans were taking was, well, okay, we might not be the most dynamic team offensively. We're not sure what we're doing with the quarterback situation. Yes, we're in a division where the Bills are in an upward trajectory and they've got even stronger, but we got the best coach in the business. We've got heavyweight veterans around him. There is continuity here. That suddenly all changed, hasn't it? Yes. And from what I've heard listening around, they weren't surprised about those two players opting out. Right. Uh, they, 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 they knew their, it might come to fruition. But that being said, remember, the quickest way to get exposed on defense is right down the middle. And mm-hmm. that's what you're dealing with. Uh, Dante Hightower is an aggressive downhill linebacker. And Patrick Hunt, Chung, what he does better than anything is he can cover tight ends man-to-man. And he's always had success in Bill Belichick's defenses. But they are loaded up at the safety position. So mm-hmm. they have – uh, they, they can swap that out and still be effective on defense. Uh, so it's still going to be hard. Those are two guys they've, they've always leaned on and two leaders. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult to replace them. But one thing is Bill Belichick calls that defense. So he's already got a plan to see how he's going to put somebody in there and what their strengths are and try to find his best way to execute. Yeah, that is, it's a, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if anyone's going to be able to fix that problem, it's Belichick. Marquise Lee, that was another interesting one, right? Because I, I guess they figured, again, given the relative dearth of, of talent offensively, then there were high hopes for him. Although, interestingly, and I wonder what you think about this, Jay. I heard, I think it was Mike Lombardi on his podcast, who obviously has a, a close association with the, the Patriots, saying he didn't think Lee was going to make the roster, make the, 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 the final roster anyway, which surprised me because I thought he was you know, going to be a, a key part of their offense this season. Yeah, that's another thing, you know, and guys have all different circumstances. But mm. if you know you're in for a battle, right? So I got, a, I got a battle with one or two guys. Usually it's two guys going at it for a position. And you kind of know when you're that guy. Now, you think the one way to win a battle is you need a lot of time. You need preseason games. You need to be out there and get a chance. Well, all that is shrunk down. So you start thinking, man, I might not make the team. There's all this uncertainty. You know what? I'm going to opt out. And that is definitely happening throughout the league. You know, it's not that guys are scared to go out there and compete. It's usually you understand you have a chance to compete. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of time to compete this year. Right. The teams are trying to get ready to play. I don't make it to the NFL as a rookie this year. Doesn't happen. It took me so much time to compete and continue to show them they needed to take a look at me and keep an eye on me that it didn't, not until the third preseason game, were they really considering me making the team in Dallas. So the guys know they're in situations like this. One, twice in my NFL career, I was in one-on-one competitions with a guy. Literally, and it was in, in Texas, in Houston, it was like you and this guy because you do the same thing. And the same thing happened in New York when they switched me to safety. Uh, that being said, me and the guy still made the team together. Crazy. <laughs> I don't know what they were doing. They tried to get the best mind out games. of us. So. Mind games, J-Bus. Did they tell you? Games. Did they tell you? I mean, or did you just know? I mean, you know, but did they actually, were they that explicit saying it's you or him? It, yes, both times. It was mm. in, 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 in Houston, me and the special teams coach, uh, 
uh, Joe Marciano are just, we were tight. So he said, look, this is, this is what it is. You guys do it. And every day it was a battle. And by, you know, middle of the preseason, he knew I had beat him out. I was just, I was just outplaying. And I think the guy pulled a hamstring. Got to be healthy, man. <laughs> if you're not healthy yep. on your show, don't be pulling no hamstring. <laughs> oh, boy. That's good it advice, Jay. Jason Bell podcast. Oh, here we go. Get don't back. Be- Back again on the Jason Bell show. I like the sound of that. Like, which way round is it in your show? Is it OC Jason or Jason on OC? Which way round is it? It changes. It changes on how we feel that day. Do you? Do you yeah, what, it, no, it doesn't. Does it? We does just it? throw. I, I I forget what it is because I just talk so reckless on there. So I don't you, know. You have a contractual obligation, I'm sure, to get your name up there. First. Yes. I, I yes, know yes, yes. I know you do. Yes. Hey, speaking of contracts, uh, new deal for Raheem Mostert. Right. So uh, he's getting he's getting paid, and this was interesting because he requested a trade. Mm-hmm. And this could was probably smoke and mirrors, right? His agent, you know, kind of pushed him because, uh, and it seems to be the crux of it, he thought he was going to get paid as a, or clearly the 49ers were looking at paying him as a special teams player, and he wanted to be paid as a running back. And when you think that last season he had over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns, it's absolutely crystal clear what should have happened. And that is what has happened. What an emergence he's had, right, from... Uh, out of relative obscurity, certainly in a, in a team that loves running back by committee, Mostert's now the lead guy and, and getting paid for it, and rightly so, j Yeah, and this is why everybody needs to understand why special teams are so important, not only on the field, but for players. Uh, uh, Corey Bradford, who was a receiver with me uh, in Houston, and he was in Green Bay before as a big special teams guy before he came our starting receiver in Houston, and he told me, he, he said, man, you're good enough to play at corner in this league. Your special teams is going to give you time to get your skills tight and them to see it. And this is what's happened. He, uh, Raheem Mustard has, has stayed in the NFL because of his special team capabilities, and he improved on his running back skills, and he got a chance to show that. He knew he had the leverage by his performance last year, and he went strong at the organization because he knows he has so much time as a running back that he needs to get paid now and he is an integral part of that offense. So it was good by him understanding his circumstances and timing. Yeah, right. Big time. Pragmatic all the way. I remember Christian Wade saying that when we were talking, I think probably at the last Super Bowl, about his ambition for this season. He gets it. But if I get onto the Bills roster and be a special team star, like that's good. I'm in. I'll take care of that. I'll show them I can take care of that. And then parlay from that. So... Uh, and that's essentially what Mostert has done, as you say. Good week for him. Bad week for Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill signs with the Raiders on Monday, released by the Raiders on Wednesday. Is that, I mean, it, is that some kind of record, surely? It happens. And you never know what's going on with the physicals or things like that. So, you right. know, they could have got him in there and, and saw something they didn't like or mm-hmm. anything like that. So those kind of things happen, you know. This, this league, which I love about the NFL now, is there's a lot of transactions that happen, much more than when mm. I played. The trades, uh, the things that are happening. Because, you know, you have these younger GMs, and they have relationships with each other. A lot of them have, have worked with other GMs at other teams, so there's a level of trust when they do these trades and things like that. And mm. So I, I, I like roster turnover happening like that. But, you know, <laughs> listen, I, I've seen guys come in and, and sign that day and, not make it out that night. So it, it happens, man. It happens. I'd love to find out what the all-time record is, actually. Um, so uh, those deals done. One other thing, and I want to get into the quarter, couple of quarterback battles that, that are going on. Uh, certainly controversy is always the technical term, but just quarterback situations. That keen to get J-Bell's take on that. And we've got a mailbag, and then we've got uh, J-Bell. Uh, J-Bell quickfire round as well, which I'm looking forward yes. to. So, yeah, and I know you're always, get ready for that. You ready for that, J-Bell? You gotta get I'm always ready, man. I did some yoga this morning. <laughs> you, you ate so some yoga it. or you did some I yoga? Did some, I did some yoga. I didn't oh, eat yoga. yoga. I did yoga. <laughs> okay. You did yoga? So I did some yo- yeah, I'm ready, man. Feeling good. I can feel, I can feel like a looseness, a relaxed. You're always relaxed. And looseness, <laughs> Devontae Adams, I wanted to get your take on this um, because of this extending storyline about what the Packers did in the draft, right? And Aaron Rodgers a couple of weeks ago finally went on record about it and said, obviously I wasn't happy. What do you expect me to say? And I like that, I like that disarming honesty from, from him. But his boy Devontae Adams has weighed in as well, right? We were all expecting to have a receiver drafted, but that wasn't the case, is what he told reporters on Tuesday. How big a problem is this, do you think, in the Green Bay locker room when it's win now and they've gone and taken... Uh, 
a quarterback, which obviously undermines Aaron Rodgers, whichever way they cut it. But no quarterback has been drafted in the first round and hasn't started within two years, right? So mm. it undermines Aaron Rodgers. It also is a, 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 a you know, a, a, the double whammy of you got to win now. Uh, and by the way, we're not going to give you the weapons to win now. And Devontae Adams doesn't like it. Devin Funches is one of those players that's opted out. So they're even weaker mm. in the receiving <clears throat> court. Talk me through what you make of this, Jay, but the fact that players are coming out and being quite vocal about what they think. Okay, so let's, let's hit some points here. First of all, when the draft happened, they didn't think Devin Funches was going to opt out. Right, right. All right, so we, we understand that. Another thing is the GM's job is to look at what you have now and to, and to put the best team out there and be thinking about the future. Mm. That's your general manager's job. Because your coach is all about this, this year, next game, this season, all that, right? Uh, tunnel vision. Mm. So you need somebody who's looking at the future. So that's what he's going to do. But what really I'm looking at is this is telling you what Matt LaFleur wants to do with this offense, what he's trying to do. And we saw a little bit of it last year. He's trying to run the ball. Mm. He's trying to run the football. He, the, remember what tree he's off of. Remember what he's thinking. And he's trying to come in there and have a sophisticated running game, play action off of that. You know, and that's what he's trying to do. So they're going to build their team to do that. Should they have got a receiver? That was a need. We all in the media thought that was the best thing to do. Mm. But obviously, they've got the GM thinking about the future and their head coach, who is the offensive mind, uh, the, the offensive play caller is saying, I can do this with what I have because I'm trying to implement this kind of offense. And that's what I think we'll see this year with Green Bay. I wonder as well if that is something that is, because it's Green Bay, a, a, an organization, a franchise with such a, a stable history, such as you know, a long-term game plan, that, that it makes more sense. And, you know, it was much highlighted, of course, that Rogers Favre situation, and they're not entirely the same situation for, for, for obvious reasons, but you, you get the point. I, I wonder whether Green Bay, that game plan is more plausible, being able to, when you've got one of the great quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, be thinking about what the, you know, the next 10 years looks like around him. Other quarterback situations, not that that is going to be, obviously Rodgers is going to start this season, but longer term it's an issue. Let's rattle through some of these uh, because there are question marks, I think, on at least half a dozen or so. New England, we'll start there. Is it certain, is it certain that Cam starts this season? Because everyone seems to have jumped to that conclusion. I'm not altogether sure, Jay Bell, that Stidham doesn't start week one. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, let me, let me change your mind real quick, Matt, because uh, Cam Newton's going to be on the field. I mean, Cam really? Newton is just – he's just – look at Cam Newton as a talent, mm. a proven talent, all right? So he checks that box. But this is something Josh McDaniels has never had. New England was already going towards uh, the downhill running game. Uh, they were one of the first teams that started using their fullback more right. because most teams didn't have a fullback. So it was, it was working. Most teams weren't practicing against what a fullback can do in your offense. So they were headed that way already. Now you put a quarterback in there that is a ridiculous running threat where you can get so creative with your play call in the running game where you have to account for him on every down, which is so confusing for the defense. Uh, the, the reason people run the ball is it's hard to cover up all those gaps all the time. Gap discipline is what you have to have in football. So you put a fullback on the field, and then you have a, a, a quarterback like Cam Newton is like the old school single wing and right. you, he's a threat on every down. So I think the play calling and innovation you'll see uh, from New England, who is led by their defense. So mm -hmm. let's keep running the ball, man. Let's keep sure. pounding the ball. Who fits better in that than Cam Newton? I don't know. I don't think anybody can convince me otherwise. I think it's a great, it's a great argument. And I, and I hear you. And, I, and I, I guess we don't know about the fitness of Cam, but, but clearly – he wouldn't be in the mix if that was an issue for, for, for New England. And I totally get the point, as Cam reminded us all as well, and reminded Josh McDaniels that he is giving them something they haven't had before. McDaniels hasn't had before there. So I, get, I guess that is compelling. I just think with Stidham, they obviously like him, right? For, you know, they, 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 seem to, they seem to back him. And we've been down that road before, right? A quarterback we don't know about. He's not a poster boy. He's not 
you know, a hype pick. We don't know anything about him, really. And even in college, he didn't play, you know, a huge amount, right? So I just yeah. wonder whether there might be a twist in that tale. And when has New England not backed up their and said they like their backup quarterback? They've right. shipped them all off for assets. Right, right. Ex- so ex- this, exactly. is, this could be the same thing. It could be like, yeah, he's great. Uh, Cam just came in here and, and, and beat him out. But do you want to get one yeah. wants to give him to you for a second-round pick? Here you yeah. go. You know? <laughs> we so, know Belichick loves his picks. Uh, it's a fair yes. point. Miami, Fitz is going to start, we think. Pretty sure week one. But how long? Do you think the Dolphins – would take the whole season of Tua sitting? Is that the best thing for Tua? Or do you think he needs to come in at some point this year? I don't think uh, uh, Tua's sitting at, uh, this season. I think uh, two, three games, he's in the lineup. Let's, mm. let's give Tua some time, right? He hasn't been on the field for a long time. Right. So I think giving him some time, letting him see how the game is played. There's no preseason game, right? Mm. So if he can sit there and watch uh, Fitzpatrick manage a game, and go through right. that process. Uh, that's going to be so helpful. When he gets on the field, it's as difficult as anything you can do to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL. So that's going to be hard. But Fitz, Fitz Magic is a great dude. He's a great dude to learn from. Uh, he's a great dude to tell you how to look at film and all that kind of stuff. So as a, a tutor, when Tua does take over, at least he's got a guy that can mm. really help him and be eyeballs on the sideline when he gets in. But he's playing this year, man. Mm. He has to. Tyrod Taylor looks like he'll start over Justin Herbert early doors again. Do you think that's less of a clear-cut situation that they'll bring Herbert in earlier? Because Tyrod fits that offense, right? And Anthony Lynn seems to, seems to like him, obviously likes him, but I mean, he seems to it's very much like him. Uh, is there a chance that, and given as well Herbert versus Tua, obviously versus Joe Burrow in terms of how developed he is as, as a quarterback, would it make more sense for him to sit for most of the season? Yes, I think he's going to sit this year and, and, mm. unless something uh, tragic happens and he gets on the field and, you know, he balls out. So, you know, if he, you know, uh, Tyrod Taylor goes down and sprains an ankle for a second, he goes out there and throws three bombs. Well, right. he's in the lineup, you know, <laughs> there you go. But, you know, Anthony Lynn likes Tyrod Taylor. Anthony Lynn wants to run the ball, have a ball-controlled offense. He doesn't want to turn it over. That's what was happening with Phillip Rivers. Mm. He was very upset about that. So Tyrod fits what he needs and once again it gives Justin Herbert the time to sit there and learn in a very difficult year learn how to manage an offense if he will get the offense soon and remember when you look at the Chargers that defense is loaded right so Mm. you want to lead with that and when you can be a lead on defense you want them well rested you can't be turning the ball over yeah, yeah. Fair, very fair point. One more and then we'll get to the mailbag. Uh, Chicago is, is obviously really interesting because Trubisky is on the hottest of hot seats, right? I mean, you've got Nick Foles breathing down his neck. I mean, Foles is the kind of player, when you're a fragile quarterback in a fragile situation anyway, like Mitch Trubisky, he's one of those backups you really don't want around because he's got plenty of miles in the tank as a starter. I mean, he was obviously going into uh, the Jacksonville situation intending to do that and fate conspired against him. How long does Trubisky last, do you think? Do you think this is, again, I mean, if he carries on playing at the level he played last season, is he, is he done and dusted and Foles will take the gig? Do you think there's any chance Foles might start the season? So we got to see what happens in practice, right? We don't have preseason games, but what's going to happen now is whatever the players are seeing in practice, they're going to see which quarterback is playing better. Mm. And if you decide to go with Trubisky and he hasn't outplayed Foles, your team now knows what decision you've made for them. You don't care about winning. So the whole thing is you can't lose your locker room. Right. The best guy's got to be out there. So if it's close, yeah, Trubisky gets the nod. But if he's not out there giving them the best opportunity to win, they have to make a quick decision and go with Foles if he hasn't already gotten the job. And once they do that, it's over, Nat. They cannot go back to Trubisky. Mm. They, it's, it's done, it's dusted, he's in there, and you're riding with that. So they're going to have a real legitimate battle, and whoever comes to the top of that battle is going to start because the team knows that's the best quarterback. You've got to keep that locker room if you want to be a successful head coach in this league. Great point. It's a great point. Well, it, it also leads us nicely into a couple from the mailbag and then the J-Bar quick fire round. So, uh, Andrew D, thanks for the question, Andrew. At the NC Show is how you get in touch with us on all good social media channels. He says, now that the Raiders have loaded in the draft with offensive weapons, 
saluting Al, of course, uh, based on the way they approach this draft. How much pressure is Derek Carr under to perform with Marcus Mariota sitting on the sidelines? So it's an interesting twist of fate here, right? Mariota loses his gig to Tannehill, who was a comeback player, and now he finds himself starting this season in the reverse, where he's backing up an under-fire player, and he could end up six weeks in starting in Vegas, which isn't a bad place, bad place to be. So Derek Carr and, and, and the situation there, I don't know what it is, J-Bell. I rate Carr. I think he's an underrated player. And Gruden just doesn't seem to like him, right? There seems to have always been this situation since Gruden took over uh, that mm, Carr's not really his guy. He's not sure. And you bring Mariota in as well. How worried should Derek Carr be? Derek Carr has to perform. And I obviously like him because I've known him since he was a literally a child on the sideline when I was in Houston throwing the ball. I went to his high school course, games yeah, right. when he was in Houston. You know, I played with his brother. Yeah. So uh, I think what you when you look at his head coach and John Gruden, John Gruden has always liked a quarterback that had his kind of personality. Mm. And Derek Carr is a good dude, a nice guy. People like him. I know people we played with at Fresno State that love the guy. You know, I mean, he's just a good person. And he needs to get back to what he was doing when he was successfully throwing the ball down the field. That's mm -hmm. when he was having success. That's when he got the big contract. But he's got a lot of pressure on this year because everything around him is in place to where if the offense does not perform to the capabilities that John Gruden thinks it should, he's the piece that they're going to remove. I'm not sure if it's Marcus Mariota, but mm. it's, it's it, you know, it's Derek Carr should be the quarterback this year, but he has to have success or he will not be the quarterback next year. Next year. It's a long-term play for sure. No doubt about, about that. Uh, Mark Jones asks, what will the prospect of no preseason or limited preseason mean for the first month or so of the regular season, J-Bell? More injuries, more blown coverages. Are we going to see in very real technicolor the impact of this disjointed preseason? Yes. So you'll see teams offensively that know each other and have been together for a long time execute better than other teams. They'll still have their faults, but they'll look a little better. And that's kind of how it always is. You know, I feel like offenses always kind of start a little faster and have a little better execution and defenses kind of uh, get better as the season goes on because right. of adjusting what's happening. So I think that you might see a little bit of reverse. I think you'll see some offenses struggle with rhythm and timing and things of that nature. You know, it takes a lot of time for these quarterback and receivers to get on the same page. They, the quarterbacks have to know how each one of his receivers come out of his breaks and how they do things. He learns body language, things like that. They don't have the time to get that done. And you're going to see that struggle a little bit. And a lot of teams, you're going to see the quarterback really feed his go-to guy early on and a lot because of the comfort and the trust. So mm. I expect it to be shaky, but this is why I'm really excited because we get to watch this play out and we get to see as fans how these teams adjust, who gets better. This might be what it is from now on. So now we can see, hey, this guy gets better, you know, game three, four, five, and we get to watch that and evaluate that. And that's going to be really cool from a media standpoint and a fan standpoint. Yeah, big time. And just on that very quickly, because there was one more question I wanted to sneak in before we get to your, your quick fire. Uh, Dave asks, well, it's going to be Dave's question. I'm going to follow up if that's all right, if I'm allowed to do that. Cool. So Dave, you and Dave are cool with me. I'm down with that. We're good. Me and Dave are tight. Dave asks, uh, Dave Mills, thanks for the question, by the way. Is the season going to be played to empty stadiums, asked Dave. And my follow-up is, as a player, how do you feel about that? What is it like? playing in an environment without that energy. It's all very well the broadcast product. Everyone's talking about that. Well, it's going to work. It'll be fine. Look at the NBA. It's got the virtual fans. Oh, well, we've, got, we've got ball. We're okay. As a player, how different is it going to be? So, you know, obviously the first question, are there going to be fans? It's so difficult to ask answer because, you know, it's all about the science. It's all about the virus is going to dictate what happens. And, you know, mm. different things can happen in different states obviously is that unfair and, though jay if, if so if for example take denver off the top of my head or colorado uh they are able they decide they decree that they can have a limited number of fans in the stadium is that unfair if that's the case but the jags for example or miami because they're in florida and it's particularly peaking there can't have any fans at all does the nf has to regulate it and it's either everyone's allowed some fans or no one's allowed fans uh 
no, it has to, it's, it, it's fair because, you know, ultimately if you would say at the NFL, like, you know, if your home crowd showed up is, you know, and the sure. other, okay. you know, I mean, yeah, 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 you, know, sure. you hear where I'm going with this. I, do. I mean, it's, I do. it's, it's, you can't penalize other states because of what another state is doing. Sure. And, okay. you know, I, you know, I, I, so it's, it's absolutely fair. It, it's what happens. If your home crowd is louder than another person's home crowd, is that fair? You know, you got to play in it. Fair. So you got to play in it. Um, and what about playing in, in front of, uh, or rather playing in empty stadiums, not in front of fans as a player? How does that, how do you think you'd have dealt with that? So I think I get a lot of motivation from my teammates and my mm. sideline. So I can really draw a ton of energy from that group of people. That's where my main energy source comes from. Mm. That being said, fans are very important to sports in general. They're, that energy that they bring is real. The momentum and shifts that happen and when the fans get behind that, it is very real. It will be missed, uh, but team, players will find a way to draw that energy and usually it's from their teammates and the competition but fans man you you can't replicate that they are so important for the game and you i mean in new york if you weren't playing well they're gonna boo you the home team so you know you, <laughs> no, you know you're playing bad you're like oh my gosh we need to step it up <laughs> that's called the philly magic i think uh the uh, you're not wrong i remember doing one of the games one of the wembley games with you and afterwards we came out of the booth and there were quite a lot of fans still there and you and OC were getting a rock star, the rock star serenade from the fans there. And the energy was just immense. I mean, it? there's nothing like the games in the UK. We are a special bunch out here. I'll tell you what, the, <laughs> the, I mean, the intensity, man, I can't wait to the game to get back here. I'm, I'm missing that. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's tough, man. Me and you rock and, root, rock and roll in the booth, OC getting it done. So I'm going to miss it. We'll get, I've still got the iPad rolling, Jay, but although for your quick fire round, uh, All right, let's do it. I got old school. I got old school with the quick fire round. Look at this. Man, you write like a doctor. <laughs> That's not the first time <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> I'll be, I'm going to struggle to read these. Now, listen, quick fire is the operative word, all right? Uh, okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quick fire. I got you. Got to pace. First thing comes to your head, Jay, but we might elaborate okay. on a few points, but I know what you're you tell me when you want to elaborate. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll lead you on that one. All right, let's lead off. So it's NFL UK, the movie. Who plays Jason Bell? Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> oh, Quick gosh. Fire. I don't even know. Quick fire. Come I, on. Jason Bell, of course. Oh, I need you that money. play yourself. I love that. I love that idea. Um, I want Christopher Walken playing Mike Carlson, incidentally. <laughs> That's what I want to see. <laughs> we'll get Scorsese directing it. Okay. Cooking at home or eating out? Cooking at home. Mm. Now, what are you what are you cooking, Jaybell? What's on the the Jaybell menu? I use a steamer a lot. I've Dear. learned to use a steam. I steam a ton of vegetables and fish. That's not even cooking though. But you are too healthy. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to be fast, man. You know, you never know when yoga chasing food. You are you, you, all the California. Take the boy out of California, but you can't <laughs> take the California out of the boy. Uh, give us a, a hidden Jaybell talent that our listeners wouldn't know about. A hidden J Bell talent. This is a family uh, show, J Bell. This is Disney. Um, a hidden <laughs> talent. Um, mixed martial arts. Oh, really? How, so how long have you been doing that for? I've done it for, oh gosh, 10 years. I don't do it as intense as I used to, especially because uh, I'm not in LA as mm. much and, and um, getting older. But yeah, I've trained for a long time. The stretching is, is hardcore, isn't it? That's like the friends of mine that do it. The, well, a friend of mine does Wing Chun, and he says the hardest thing about it by a country minus the stretching. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yes, absolutely, man. It keeps you, it keeps you on your toes, literally. <laughs> One album you couldn't do without in your life. So if you get, get to get rid of all the music in your life apart from one album, or maybe one artist if you want to go that route. You couldn't do Steely without. Dan. Really? Yeah, I love that, Steely Dan. That is a surprising answer. I didn't think you'd go there. Literally love Steely Dan. Wow. All your life, well, most of your life, or are they a new discovery? My dad listened to them, so mm. I was, uh, you know, I, it was somewhere in my DNA. And then yeah. I just got back into it when I got in the uh, NFL again. A friend of mine uh, was a big fan, and I just dove back into him. So, yeah, love Steely Dan. How did locker rooms work in that way? I mean, these says because everyone's just wearing 
you know, their you know, headphones and not listen to their own thing. But I mean, back in the day, did you have, and certainly in training, I guess, were you, was there a battle for control of the playlist? And would you say, right, Steely Dan's going on? No, nah, we, didn't, we didn't really have the, the locker room uh, music like they have now. You know, so it, it, it wasn't like it is now. We had our headphones. We had small speakers in our locker before the games. Mm-hmm. Kind of guys did their thing. But, yeah, everybody had headphones, really. Just drop the Nat Coombs show. <laughs> That'll get it That's going. It. <laughs> <laughs> and repeat. <laughs> um, favorite all-time player? Deion Sanders. Oh, not even, yeah, not even close. Huh? Okay, second Did I tell you I was in Deion's house? I think you did, but tell me again. I think I've heard this story, but I don't think we've done it on the show, so let's hear it. Yeah, so my buddy Omar Stoutmeyer, who played in Dallas, was they were really close. And when I got to Dallas, he was staying in Dion's house. So I come over to visit him. He's like, come meet me at Dion. So I pull up to the primetime gate. Mm-hmm. Primetime on the gate. <laughs> uh, no, of I, course. I'm, I'm, I'm in his house. You know, he had these big old dogs. Dion wasn't at, at, at the house at the time. He was out of town. And I'm just roaming around Deion Sanders' house. Like, I'm like my idol. I'm in his house. I'm looking at it. And he had pictures of himself. Of course. In suits, like <laughs> in this closet, because they were, I guess they were in when he had a club. And he yep. had like pictures of himself in the, from the front and the back in the same suit. Genius. I never seen I never seen anything so fresh in my life, man. <laughs> only Deion Sanders, man. Only, and it could only only person in the world that could pull that off. And you don't think any less of me. You think if, if anything, you think more of him. It just fuels the the neon Dion hype. I love that the fact is prime times on the gate. Was it in neon on the gate? Was it neon? Nah, 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 nah. It was it was it was just you know standard steel. <laughs> you know, but it it was fresh. I love the story. Um, Super Bowl halftime show you would like to see in Tampa. Oh, man, who would I like to see? Man, oh, gosh. I would like to see Jamiroquai. Wow, that's a yeah. great call. Yeah. Did, they, yeah. did they break America? Were they, I guess they did, right? Because you, because yeah. that when they, yeah, they must have done. So they yeah. said, uh, virtual insanity was big, man. Like when I yeah. was in high school. So, man, I'm mm. dating myself. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with yeah, you, buddy. I, would, I just, I just think they would bring so much energy. It would be yeah. great music. You know, it's a great shout, Jayba. You yeah. were surprising me. Today. You always surprise me, but even more so today. Uh, skydiving or bungee jumping? Whoa! I would skydive out of fear. I'm a, when I fear <laughs> something, I kind of gotta face it. So mm. I, I would skydive, and I just don't like the thing, like the bungee thing. I don't trust that. I trust the mm. person. You know, yeah. you skydive. Do I get somebody to take me down? Like you okay. can if you want. Who would you right, take? Yeah, you go with a professional. I'm skydiving. Yeah, I'm going with you and, pro. You and OC skydiving. That's a show I want to see. Skydiving. Oh God! <laughs> I would watch that video. I'd watch that. Um, Jay, if you hadn't got into the NFL, what would you be doing? Wow, oh, that's hard. Just because the NFL has given me so many options, mm. probably would have done something teaching wise, mm. and it probably would have been. Uh, I wanted to be a history teacher for a long time. Mm. Yeah. What kind of level? Do you, do you think about that? Like high school? I would have been high school. Yeah, because yeah, I had yeah. the coolest high school history teacher, and he was also the water polo coach. And I yep. thought, man, this dude is cool. And my best friend, who's like my brother, is a teacher. Uh, so I just, I like, cool teachers are just, they're just, they, they do so much for kids. You know, they impact people's lives in ways uh, that you just, you never forget them. So so true. You did. So, yeah. I think everybody, or most people, it's certainly the lucky ones of us, have at least one teacher they remember that that changed. Maybe to change the way they think about things, or even more instrumental than that. It's the, yeah. the significance they have in 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 people's lives. It, absolutely. So yeah, a fine pursuit and a, and a good shot. And also, incidentally, you would be no doubt about it. That cool teacher that all the kids they wouldn't take they wouldn't take it too far. They they would know where the line is. But that you'd still be, it'd still be down with it, Jay Bell. It'd still be down with it. Oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fun. We, we'd have, we'd have action in my class. <laughs> no, I don't doubt it. Uh, two more for you. Favorite city in the world? Oh gosh, man, this is tough. I'm gonna New York City or London, but it's so mm. close, man. It's so close. Uh, I'll roll with New York City. All right, we call it we call it tie if you want. We call it yeah, well, I, I really I I love both cities. Mm. Uh, good, both fine choices. And then uh, the last one on the fly. You said earlier on in the show that as a young player, as a young man in the NFL, you had a lot of energy. We were talking about yeah. young players. So, <laughs> 
give me give us an example and again like i say this is disney these days jay belts the worldwide leader give us yeah. an example of what you mean like what what was a young jay the energy of a young jay bell in the nfl give us a story you know i think i just was always having fun mm. and i had a lot of energy i didn't uh i didn't i always I guess I had a lot of jokes, but it was more like acting out jokes. Like I was always doing fun stuff. Like, uh, and I just, you know, I just, I would show up to everything. I just, I just was at everything, you know, an event of this or that. I was everywhere doing everything. So having good a good time. I can't yeah. give you the stories, man. Yeah. I don't want, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. We will have to negotiate some kind of after hours ESPN Nat Coombe show, maybe away from away from ESPN. Yeah, we'll I mean, save the know. stories for that. Yeah, okay. No. But a diplomatically answered, Jay, but diplomatically yeah. answered. I am the one. Mm. So when we came back, there's a thing that happens now. They have going back to camp parties. Mm. So in the NFL, you have you would have a party for going back to camp. Like guys do it now. Mm. But I think I started it in Los Angeles. I think I started it. What a legacy. I love that. <laughs> Seriously. Literally, I was, I literally, I was on the radio and a guy, I won't say his name because he's in the meeting, he's pretty big. Mm. Uh, he was having a party at the same time and everybody was coming to my party. So he goes on the radio and goes, who is this Jason Bell guy anyway? <laughs> I said, we made it. We have made it. <laughs> oh boy, I love it. I love the fact you have a party as well to start the season. You know, the, the most finely tuned athletes in the world about to go into battle. Let's have a party. <laughs> That's the way we're going to get ready. You got to party before the war, man. You got <laughs> to have that last dance. Oh, I love it. Hey, Matt, it's great to catch up with you. You said it was going to be fun. It's always fun catching up with you. And uh, it's good to see you in fine form with the yoga. Just, just, just rolling with it, Jay. Rolling with it. Man, I got a big year, man. So I got to be ready. Big year, big year ahead. If our listeners want to catch you, as if they don't know already, I'm sure they all subscribe to uh, your pod with OC, the, the Jason and OC slash OC and Jason pod, but they can get it on all good podcatchers, right? Yes, all that, man. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Jason33Bell. Uh, follow me. Let's have a conversation. Do it. Do that. That is a direct order, gang. J-Bell, great to catch up with you, man. Good to see you. Look after yourself. Man, good times, my friend. Lovely stuff from Jay Bell. Never, ever disappoints us, does he? And he's going to be back very, very soon for more. Great catching up with him. Lots more terrific guests coming your way over the coming weeks as we build up to the season. Keep your eyes and ears peeled for Iron Mike and his season previews. He's going to be breaking down the AFC, the NFC, everything that you need to know to get you ready for the 2020 season. We're going to be dropping those over the coming weeks. So plenty of Iron Mike, plenty of football chat. Make sure, if you haven't already, you subscribe to us wherever you are listening to this. We'll see you next week. Bye for now, gang. Sports Social Podcast Network.